Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. I realize your bulletin says Ephesians chapter 1, but I made a last minute switch. So the Gospel text is Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, and then jumping down to verse 39. Let us hear God's word. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is one of my favorite Sundays of the entire year because on this Sunday, Epiphany Sunday, we get to ask, so what? So what? What does Christmas really change? According to the Gospel of Luke, Mary and Joseph stayed in Bethlehem a little while after Jesus was born. They had him circumcised on the eighth day according to custom. They gave him the name Jesus. They went to Jerusalem and made their sacrifice in the temple again, as was custom. They spent the time after Jesus' birth doing all that the law required them. That's what this naming and sacrificing was all about. It was the law. Now, when you and I hear the word law, we tend to think that it refers to a standard that is imposed upon us. Wear your seatbelt. Law. Children must go to school. Law. Drive the speed limit. Law. It's something we must obey. But the Jewish idea of law had more of a connotation of ritual to it. By fulfilling their many rituals, they rehearsed their identity with God. By their rituals, they remembered who they were. They acted like who they wanted to be. So even the law was a grace. It was a gift for the Jews because it drew them close to God. The law, the rituals, drew them close to God. You know, we have rituals in the church, too. Sacraments are rituals, baptism, communion, which we will celebrate this morning, and Sunday morning. Sunday morning worship is a ritual. We read prayers and sing hymns and hear a sermon, and these rituals remind us who we are. They rehearse who we are because of God. We forgive each other here and confess our faith here and pass the peace here because we're acting like who we want to be out there. And these rituals, we can't let them become simply nostalgic. They're not just old school. They're essential for our self-understanding because the society that is around us also has rituals that will tell us we are someone else. Staying late at the office 
is a ritual because you're worth what you produce. So is complaining if you don't get something you want. So are sports and Sunday afternoon naps, rituals. If we don't, don't allow the church to tell our story with its rituals, we will simply be shaped by the story that our society is writing for us through its rituals. The rituals of society claim that we are on our own to do what we can with life. But we know that's not really true. Society writes scripts for us to follow, but we have to choose. We can choose to follow rituals laid out by God or to follow rituals laid out by society. We just finished a major ritual in the church. It's called Christmas. We sing, we carol, we look foolish at an ugly sweater party, we watch the children and youth lead us in the story of Christmas, and we balance all those rituals with societies. Manic shopping, work parties, decorating the house, Christmas dinner, in-laws coming to town. And now the rituals are over. The chaos is dying down, lights go back, wrapping paper is now in the trash, and we are back to our ordinary lives. So today, we find ourselves where Mary and Joseph found themselves, having finished everything required by the rituals of the Lord, Mary and Joseph returned to their town. And that's where we are now. Returning back to our ordinary lives, back to work and school and life and routine. And in that ordinary time, we get to ask, what has Christmas really changed? What has Christmas really changed? I think there are two answers. First, the baby born on Christmas Day has changed everything. But second, like Mary and Joseph, the answer is also very little. The ritual of Christmas is over. The buying and the carols and the baking, the ritual of Christmas is over. And what's different? I would guess most of us have the same job, same problems, same routine, same leak in the roof. But the ordinary days of our lives should no longer be the same. Is it just at my house, or do you often find yourself saying, put your shoes on, ad nauseum? It is a daily occurrence in my house. In fact, more than daily, it happens multiple times a day. In fact, not just multiple times a day, but multiple times per attempt to get out the door. The first time is obviously in the morning, as we are running around the house to get to school and work on time. There always seems to be plenty of time, but we inevitably find ourselves throwing things in a lunchbox and grabbing breakfast as quickly as possible. At least most members in our family are running around wild. Woodrow, our dog, is anxious to get to doggy daycare, so he's gnawing at us as he's trying to get us to go faster. Liza, our newest addition, a 20-pound beagle, jumps around, excited to welcome the day and anyone carrying even a morsel of food. And my husband and I, we rush to get to the coffee as soon as possible to ward off any crankiness or grumpiness. 
But the eight-year-old, she moves at the same pace no matter what is happening. Slow as molasses. That is how she moves. Pull through the carpool line, can't be bothered by the line of cars piling up behind us, can't be bothered. Other families have the carpool line down to a science. I don't know how they do it. The cars don't even come to a full stop, and the kid has their backpack on, and they jump out ready to go. Not us. We have to find the jacket, complain about putting the backpack on over the jacket, tell a three-minute long story about what happened at lunch yesterday, grab the water bottle, oh, don't forget the lunchbox, leisurely get out of the car, say hello to everybody who's waiting outside in carpool line, wave goodbye to mom, wait, stop the car, send mom more kisses, wave again. It is quite the production. Needless to say, while the rest of the family is running around the house on any given morning to get breakfast made and shoes on and dogs fed, the eight-year-old has no need for hurry in her life. Which is why I find myself saying, put your shoes on, put your shoes on, put your shoes on a million times a day already late to get out the door in the morning, please put your shoes on. To which the response is, I'm going. Which is code for I'll get to it in a minute, but not quickly. Hey, put your shoes on, we really need to go. And then again in the afternoon, because the first thing to come off when we get home are the shoes. Put your shoes on, we must go outside and play. Put your shoes on, we need to go to Walmart because we need tortillas for dinner. Please put your shoes on, the dog needs to go on a walk. I am actually surprised that her first full sentence in English was not put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. It seems to be a pretty normal ritual for anyone with children. You get used to repeating yourself a million times a day over very basic instruction, like putting on shoes, brushing teeth, and wearing a jacket. But what if we didn't say those things over and over and over again? How would our children grow up to be adults that brush their teeth and wear their jackets and put their shoes on? We, we teach our children the habits they need to know. We teach them our rhythms of life. It's why the teenage years can be rather difficult, because those children grow up and decide that they'd rather have a different rhythm of life. But nevertheless, we teach our children habits and skills, and we nag and nag and nag and nag until they put their shoes on. And it's funny, right, these rituals are the things that bring us close to our families, to the people that we love. The reason I leave butter out on the counter instead of inside the refrigerator is because that's the way my mother always did it. So we'd always have soft butter for toast in the morning. And the reason I clean the house on Saturday, not Monday and not Thursday, is because my mom gave us a chore list every Saturday morning and together we cleaned the house. And the reason I use whole milk for my coffee, not cream and definitely not 2% milk, is because that's how I was born. 
raised to drink coffee with whole milk. And the reason I go to church every Sunday is because it, it was a non-negotiable in my family. And the reason I love the Word of God is because I watched my father read it every morning before he walked out of the door. And the reason I know the hymns of the church by heart is because the church that I grew up in sang them every Sunday morning out of the hymnal. Those were the rituals on which I was raised. And much like the Israelite community, the rituals drew me closer and closer and closer to God. We have rituals in this church. We read prayers and sing hymns out of the hymnal, and we hear a sermon, and our rituals set this place apart, and through them we practice Christmas. We practice all year long the tenets of hope and peace and joy and love. We remember that most people missed that God had been born in the flesh, so we slow down enough to pay attention. We remember that no one had room for him in the inn, so we welcome the stranger. We enact what Christmas has changed, what Christmas has taught us. But the practice here at church is not enough. If we only have rituals here, then we let the world have the rest of us. The rituals shape us. We are becoming who we practice being. These rituals, they direct us even when we aren't thinking about it. Which is why we should choose rituals that will guide our lives, step back and actually choose. A famous theologian, Thomas Aquinas, used the image of walking home. Once you choose where you're going, you don't have to consciously think about it every minute, every second. You've chosen your destination and you go. That, he said, is what we do with rituals, with our habits. We decide who we want to be, then we build the rituals to take us there. So what has Christmas really changed? Depends. If Jesus being born into the world is just a cute picture, if Jesus being born into the world is just a beautiful celebration that is now over, Christmas will change nothing. But if Jesus being born into the world changes our morning routines, cuts out our bad habits, reshapes our budgets, then Christmas has the potential to change everything. It is now the year 2020, and you get to decide whether you will let the rituals of the church or the rituals of the world shape who you will become. Put on your shoes, brush your teeth, wear your jacket, pass the peace with strangers, say, I forgive you until you mean it. Serve even when you don't have the time. Be generous as God has been generous with us. Thomas Aquinas used the image of walking home. I like the image of going bowling. 
I hate bowling. I'm bad at bowling, which is why I hate bowling. I either get a strike and will continue to get strikes the entire game, or I'll launch the ball directly into the gutter for the entire game. Like much of my life, I am all in or all out. But now that I get to go bowling with an eight-year-old, I've discovered bumpers. I love them. Which means now I either get a strike or send the ball bouncing back and forth very violently all the way down to the very end. That's rituals. Rituals are the bumpers. They won't guarantee we get a strike, but they keep us from flying into the gutter. Bumpers aim us in the right direction. They aim us home. So where in 2020 are you going this year? Where are you going? I can't tell you. But if you build the right rituals, the right bumpers, if you point them toward God, I can promise you what direction you'll be heading. You'll be heading toward God. You'll be heading home. Let us pray. Lord God, we ask that you would give us wisdom to put the right bumpers in place in our lives. Lord God, the rituals of the church, the things that you promise will draw us closer and closer into your presence. Lord God, would you give us wisdom to know what it is that you would have for us in the coming year? Lord God, and the faithful consistency to do what you have called us to do, to serve and to pray and to love our neighbors. Lord, to read your word and to enjoy it, to join with other people and fellowship together. Lord God, that through this consistent faithfulness to who you are and who you've called us to be, we might find that these rituals, these bumpers, do in fact draw us closer and closer into your presence. And for that... We are grateful. In your holy name we pray. Amen.